Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. I see news uh, just coming in since we came on air. Microsoft is to cut an additional 60 jobs from its Irish workforce as part of its global cost-cutting plans that were announced in January. It comes on top of 120 layoffs that Microsoft Ireland confirmed last month, bringing the total number of Irish-based redundancies to 180. Now, last week marked the third anniversary of the first officially confirmed case of COVID-19 in Ireland, which was confirmed on the 29th of February 2020. Three years on, imagine, and how is the world adapting to life of living with COVID as the Chief Medical Officer last week urged older people to once again get out and enjoy life? Well, I'm joined on the line now by Dr David Nabarro, who's the World Health Organization's Special Envoy on COVID-19. Good morning to you, David. Good morning to you, Davil, and good morning to all listeners. It's nice to be with you again on the show. It really is. And listen, remind us, uh, David, um, three years in, but what is the situation worldwide regarding COVID-19 at the moment? Well, thank you. First of all, as, as has been uh, said in your introduction, this is a, a really massive pandemic. Uh, and we're just going into the fourth year. Uh, more than seven million people are known to have died with the pandemic. And um, Uh, we suspect that actually it may have been even higher. And what I'm saying to everybody is the following. This is still an evolving situation. New variants of the virus are emerging. I expect there will be new waves of infection. But if we can, as has been recommended by the Irish Chief Medical Officer, keep ourselves vaccinated if we are in the at-risk groups, that's older people and people with other illnesses and people who are highly exposed like health workers. If we can keep ourselves vaccinated, then that should keep us secure. We should not not stop ourselves from being vaccinated if we're at risk. Um, Obviously, classification in these uh, affairs matters. So it's still classified as a health emergency of international concern. What does that mean in practice? In in practice, uh, that means that the World Health Organization sees this as a major threat. And that's because of the numbers of issues that are not yet fully understood, ranging from what new variants will emerge to How long will the vaccines protect us for? And it's because of those unknowns that the committee that looks at whether or not we have an an emergency of international concern says, yes, keep it in that category, at least for the time being. And I believe that's absolutely right. Uh, Professor Breda Smith, who's our Chief Medical Officer, there's a you know a huge multimedia campaign on at the moment, um, based, I suppose, in large part on the fears around the effects on isolation and mental and physical health that many people, particularly older people and vulnerable groups, experienced during um, the pandemic. Um, do you agree with those sentiments to, to, to get out again? If you haven't returned to doing the things that you love, do so now. Absolutely. Uh, like everybody, I had to put up with the isolation associated with lockdowns during 2020 and 2021 in particular. And I found it very unsatisfactory. It changed my 
ability to relate to other people. And initially, I was quite scared to re-establish contact. It's getting better now. But I want to say to everybody, there is no substitute to maintaining our social contacts. And I would encourage everybody to get going again, to get out and about if you possibly can, uh, and to not be staying at home with fear. I don't think it's justified. And the consequences of isolating ourselves for our mental well-being, uh, as well as for our social interactions, are just too great. So, yes, out and about, please. One issue, uh, David, of many that became uh, divisive, um, highly politicised during the pandemic was the wearing of face masks. Um, But for those who are vulnerable or for others, I mean, what what would you advise, uh, particularly perhaps in areas of crowded, um, you know, situations or in a medical setting? First of all, please, could everybody who feels that they're more secure if they're wearing a face mask or if they're asking others to wear a face mask around them, Please go on doing it. There's nothing to be gained from saying it's wrong to be wearing face masks. So even though I'd prefer to be masked, I'm going to put my mask away. If you are feeling more comfortable masked, do so. It's interesting. I was in an airport uh, uh, yesterday and I noticed that there was still a lot of mask wearing going on. And in addition, that the airport staff were incredibly uh, sympathetic and encouraging of people who wear masks. Lastly, I would say that in my experience, masks do make a lot of difference. They do reduce the likelihood that if you've got the virus in your body, that you will transmit it to others. And that's the view of the World Health Organization. It's hard to prove it. But based on my own personal experience and what I've heard from others, uh, I would say if you want and feel good about being masked, don't hesitate to do so. It it doesn't cost you very much and it certainly uh, does not, in fact, uh, it should not impact on your ability to maintain your social life. Another issue, David, of controversy is the origin of the coronavirus. Um, the FBI have been out re- recently saying that they believed COVID-19 most likely originated in a Chinese government control lab. Are we any closer to knowing exactly how it started? Well, you know, uh, I, I've been in situations before where there's been a lot of interest in where a virus has come from to start a series of outbreaks. And I've noticed that you very rarely get a a sort of answer that you can feel is the truth. And that's because it's so hard to do the dissection and find the origin of these things. Now, in addition, in this case, there are... Uh, all sorts of political overtones, which mean that people are making remarks, sometimes without offering the evidence, and you wonder all the time whether they are caught up in some geopolitics that are going on that have nothing to do with this uh, pandemic. And so, yes, I really would like to know the answer about the origin. The World Health Organization is fully involved in trying to find it, but the politicisation is making it very difficult to get the answers. I'm sorry I can't be more precise than that. David, Ireland, like many other countries around the world, uh, three years uh, on, is now trying to uh, learn what we got right, what we got wrong, uh, trying to prepare for the next um, pandemic. Um, And, you know, looking at how different countries reacted to the pandemic, um, 
inquiries are being contemplated, including our own. What do you think any specific inquiry should entail? Thank you. Most important thing in any inquiry, when you are looking at decisions that were made at different points of time, is to go back to those points of time and say, what did we know then? And was the decision the right one to take, given the knowledge that we had at that time? Because when you're doing these sorts of inquiries, it's always possible with hindsight to say we could have done things different back then. But that's with hindsight. So I'm saying, please look at the information available when the decision was made. Secondly, please remember that there's an awful lot that is not known about this virus, still not known now. And and it's important to take that into account. And thirdly, just remember the virus is the problem, people are the solution. And if you are looking for issues that need to be perhaps made better next time, ask at all moments in the inquiries, did we involve people and their representatives and community actors enough at different stages in the response? My own view from where I sit is that Ireland did remarkably well by having very good systems at the local level, at the county level and so on, uh, and district level. And I believe that it is that local organisation that will be shown to have been incredibly important in having a strong response. The... um the uh, wonders the World Health Organization, perhaps countries like Ireland might be able to stay well, but look, we avoided a, a significant death toll relative to other countries yeah. at the outset and during the course of it. But Ireland um, at the moment is experiencing higher excess death rates. Uh, we had a, a, a more than 25% deaths occurred in December this year compared yeah. with other years. Is that something that the World Health Organization is going to be concerned about perhaps? And that will fall into the mix of, I suppose, the evaluation of the measures that were taken, including lockdown restrictions, masks, the works. So the the biggest challenge we have, Doval, on this particular virus is that whilst we've got some understanding of who is at risk of getting sick and then dying uh, immediately after infection, what we are in difficulty about is knowing the long-term consequences of this particular uh, infection. And one of the factors that's coming through is that there seems to be some long-term increased susceptibility to heart disease and even strokes among people who've been infected with COVID, but looking at them for perhaps one year or two years after their infection. It's part of this general syndrome of long COVID that's being talked about and investigated more and more. There are still unknowns, but it does look as though that this virus is not one that we should be getting infected by if we can possibly avoid it, because it does seem to have long-term consequences that are still being uh, discovered as a result of research being done now. Before I let you go, uh, Dave Navarro, um, the next um, pandemic or the next major global health crisis could be waterborne. It could be something that has a higher mortality rate in children or in other um, uh, you know, cohorts. Everybody is obviously watching very, very closely bird flu um, and the fear that that could uh, mutate uh, to uh, humans. Can you give us any sense of where you are with that right now? Thanks very much indeed. Just everybody, most of the new viruses and bacteria that are coming into the human population 
causing disease outbreaks and pandemics are coming from animal species, bird species, or indeed other living creatures. And they hop over into humans and then they start causing difficulty. For some time now, we've been looking at different varieties of influenza because influenza does have the capacity to cause outbreaks and pandemics. And there's a type of influenza called highly pathogenic bird flu caused by a virus that goes under the code name H5N1. And this is moving around the world and infecting poultry, both wild, uh, both uh, domesticated birds, sorry, including poultry, and infecting wild birds. And there is a significant chance that it could hop over into humans. I'm very glad to say that there's a lot of attention to it. And in addition, there are uh, uh, studies being done to make sure we've got enough stockpiles of vaccine. WHO is on top of this. Ireland is participating in the efforts to get international solidarity on it. Well, as always, um, David, thank you so much. I should probably say it's Sir David, as you were awarded your knighthood uh, on Friday at Buckingham Palace, having been included oh, you knew that, did in, you? <laughs> in the year's yeah. honours list. We never yeah. miss anything, but uh, what an honour for yeah. you, your family and indeed for your team. But for now, David, Dr. David Navarro, World Health Organisation Special Envoy on COVID. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. Email todaycb at rte.ie.